Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. The most powerful painting I've ever seen is in Rome on the big front wall of the Sistine Chapel. It's a huge painting painted by Michelangelo in the 1500s. It's called The Last Judgment. Jesus is coming down in the clouds to end the world. All the dead are raised. The saved are being pulled up into heaven. The lost are being pulled down into hell. And in the middle of the picture is this. I'm going to show you this here is this man who discovers that he is lost. And look at the look on his face. I keep this picture on my wall because I, this is to remind myself why I'm in the Christian ministry. I don't want people who th to think they were Christians and then discover, oh no. So let's do this today we're going to just study three verses matthew chapter 7 these are three of the most sobering verses in the bible these verses keep me on my toes would you take out matthew chapter 7 and let's do this while i'm preaching this i want you to ask yourself this question am i a real christian or am i a false christian let's pray first Father, we don't want to look like that on Judgment Day. And we would pray that there are probably people seeing this show who, who are afraid they're not Christians, and they truly are. And there are probably people watching this show who think they are Christians, and they're not. God, I ask you by your Holy Spirit that you'd speak to each of us and deal with our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. First lesson today, lip service will not save you. Just saying, Jesus is my Lord, Lord, will not save you. A lot of people believe in their head that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Well, the devil believes that. Just having head knowledge, just having lip service doesn't save anybody. Okay, so what does save people? Look at the answer in Matthew 7, verse 21. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. So how, how do people enter heaven? What does save? Doing God's will. Doing God's will saves. Now, do we have a problem with that? Because if you know other verses, other verses in the Bible teach we're saved by God's grace alone, not by what I do, not by my good works. We're saved by grace, not works. So why does Jesus say this? Well, try to follow this. I'll do my best. The Bible does teach two things that look contradictory, but they're not. The Bible does teach, number one, we will be judged by our works on Judgment Day. And the Bible also teaches we're not saved by our works, we're saved by the grace of God alone. All right, so how do those two go together? Follow this, please. 
We are saved by the grace of God alone, apart from our good works. Hallelujah. The only thing that gets us sinners into heaven is that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. We're saved by grace 100% alone. True. But when God saves you by his grace, he gives you the Holy Spirit, and he does start to clean up your life. You won't be perfect. We don't talk perfection, but we do talk direction. The direction of your life changes once you get saved. And if there's been no change of direction in your life, you haven't been saved by grace alone. I heard a pastor say, we are saved by grace alone, but grace never is alone. It always changes a human heart. For example, let's say you've been a Christian for 30 years and you still give God almost no money. There's been no change of direction. Are you saved? I think that's a fair question. Uh, I, I remember this family came up and, Pastor Brock, let me tell you why we're going to this church now. In our other Lutheran church, there's a lesbian couple. They're members of the church. They take communion. One of them teaches my daughter Sunday school. Is that right, Pastor Brock? Can you be a practicing lesbian and go to heaven? And I quoted first. Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, who was the champion of the teaching we're saved by grace, also wrote 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, do not be deceived, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, none of those will go into heaven. Such were some of you, Corinthians, but you were washed. The point being, you can think you were saved, but if you continue to live in impenitent sin and never turn from your sin, you're going to look like this on Judgment Day. Now, before we leave this verse, verse 21 says you must do God's will to go to heaven. Well, what about the days I don't do God's will and I sin? Well, then part of doing God's will is that you repent. That, too, is part of God's will, to get forgiven. Uh, here's one scholar, Lenski, said, The will of the Father, in verse 21 of, of Matthew 7, includes repentance and faith. Not the perfection of sinlessness, which we don't get till heaven, but the righteousness of the forgiveness of sins, and thus the power to do good works that truly please God. Uh, in other words, part of doing God's will that Jesus talks about there is, when you blow it, you repent, and you receive his forgiveness. Hallelujah. That's part of God's will. Look at verse 22. Jesus said, Many will say to me on that day. That day. Next lesson. The day of judgment is coming. There's something called judgment day. You would never dream judgment day is coming by watching television. <laughs> um, most people, most Christians live like judgment day isn't coming. I remember an old lady of the church saying once, When I was a little girl, the pastor would say, before you go into that movie theater, before you pick up that magazine, ask yourself, do I want Jesus to find me here if the second coming happens? <laughs> When's the last time you heard a sermon like that? We need preaching like that. Judgment day is coming. And look at the rest of verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And he says, many will say to me, Here's the next lesson. There are many false Christians, many. Somebody sent me an article this week from the very liberal Huffington Post. There's a liberal Episcopal priest who writes for the Huffington Post. She had an evil article 
basically 10 reasons the church needs to endorse homosexuality. Evil article. She took every Bible verse and turned it upside down. And then you look at her bio at the bottom. She's a member of Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion mill in the country. Listen, when you've got priests and pastors and bishops saying there is no hell, God is love, everybody goes to heaven, gay is okay, abortion is okay, Jesus said many will be led astray. Verse 22, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. To me means Jesus controls the gate. <laughs> Who control, it's not St. Peter. It's not Buddha, it's not Mohammed. The person who controls the gate of heaven is Jesus. And then look at the rest of verse 22. Did not we cast out demons and do these miracles in your name? Here's the next lesson. You can do Christ's work and still be lost. These people are casting out demons and they go to hell. They were doing miracles in Christ's name, and they're, they're lost. I've been a pastor 35 years. Does that mean for sure I'm going to heaven? Listen to what Paul the Apostle said about himself in 1 Corinthians 9. I buffet my body. I make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul did not rest on his laurels. He knew there was a fight to be fought to be saved by the grace of God. And one more lesson before we leave verse 20, 22. God can use pagans to do his work. These were unbelievers who were casting demons out and doing powerful works in the name of Christ. Remember Caiaphas, the high priest in the Bible? He didn't believe in Christ, but he still prophesied, this man will die for the sins of the nation. Judas was one of the 12 apostles, and presumably when the apostles did miracles at the beginning, he was probably doing them too. So just because people do a miracle doesn't mean they're from God. Unbelievers can do miracles. So, for instance, let's say this, you discover that your priest or your pastor that baptized you turned out to be a child molester. He's a false pastor. Well, does that mean I should get rebaptized by a real pastor? And early on in church history, the, the church said no, because the validity of the sacrament, baptism, does not depend upon the character of the pastor. It, it, it depends upon the promise of God's word. In other words, even God uses unbelievers, pagans, to do his work, and it's still God's work. So you don't need to get rebaptized. Then look at verse 23. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now, look at that verse and answer this question. What is the key to salvation? What saves you according to that verse? De depart from me, I never knew you. The key to salvation is knowing Christ. Do you know Christ? It's not whether you've done miracles in his name, not whether you can heal people. And Do you know Christ? I mean, I, I remember a, a, there was a man who was in church every Sunday. He was an usher. And one day his older daughter said to me, in my whole life, I have never once heard my dad pray. Not at the dinner table. My dad just doesn't pray at all. And I, I, I ministered to this guy. I, I don't know if I ever quite reached him. But, you know, you can do all kinds of great stuff in Christ's name. But if you don't know him, you won't be saved. Let's look at verse 23.
but he who does the will of my Father, excuse me, verse 23, I will declare to them, those that didn't know him, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's talk about those three words, depart from me, in verse 23. The words depart from me simply mean hell exists. Jesus will say, depart from me. Oh, but my loving, meek and mild Jesus wouldn't send anyone to hell. Well, then would you explain that verse? He says, depart from me. And at the end of Matthew, he says, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There's a hell. And the people that go to hell in this context, in Matthew 7, are the people that said they were Christians, but never turned from sin. They're the ones that look like this on the last day. I, I, when I was a little boy, our church in Omaha did not have air conditioning, so in the summer it got really hot in church. And my, I'm, my brother and I would say, Mom, do we have to go to church? It's so hot in the summer. And she'd say, Boys, it's hotter in hell. <laughs> There's a hell. And we need to repent of our sin and put our faith in Christ. You won't be perfect in this life, but you'll be fighting, and the grace of God will move you to fight. Let's look at the last part of, of verse 23. Here's the last lesson. But he who does the will of my Father, then down to verse 23, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why do they go to hell? They said they were believers. They went to hell because they practice lawlessness. So here's the last lesson. Believers who persist in impenitent sin are not believers. There have been fake believers in the church since the beginning. Judas, and then Simon the magician. And just because you're in a church, if you don't repent of lawlessness, you're not saved. Again, you discover to your horror on Judgment Day, I guess I wasn't a Christian. You have to turn from lawlessness, is what Jesus said. I, I've used this before, let me say it again. A man is walking down the street. He slips and he falls in a mud puddle. He gets up, brushes himself off. He keeps walking. Later, he falls in another mud puddle. He gets up, brushes himself off. He moves on. That's a Christian. We all sin, but we repent when we sin. But here's man number two. He walks down the street, slips and falls in a mud puddle. He pitches his tent in the mud puddle. He lives in the mud puddle the rest of his life. He can say he's a Christian, but he's going to discover this on the last day. I mean, uh, when a couple would come to me for, to get married... It was hard to bring up, but I did it. Well, are you sleeping together? Well, yes, we are. I would bring out 1 Corinthians 6. Fornicators don't go to heaven. This is not a little sin. You cannot live in impenitent sin and be saved. If that lesbian couple, if, if they were, uh, if came to me, I, I, I would say, you know, the Bible says that's a sin to have sex with your same sex. And you're living in it. You're not repenting. You're not fighting. You're living it. In fact, you're defending it. First uh, Corinthians 6 says you won't be saved. I mean, I, I had a, a young man that I was counseling. Christian young man fights homosexuality. And, you know, he's not perfect, but he fights. And when he blows it in whatever area, he gets forgiven. And he gets back up. And he gets back in the ring. He's fighting. That's a Christian. But the person that's pitched their tent in the mud puddle and living in it, even if they say they're a Christian, again, they're going to look like this on Judgment Day. Depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because you're a worker of lawlessness. You never repent. 
We're saved by grace alone, yes. It's not by what we do. But once you're saved by grace, you repent when you sin. Those to me, <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, are three of the most sobering verses in the New Testament. May the Lord give us grace to, to abide by them. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, how do you know if you have real faith or just lip service mm -hmm. faith? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, somebody says, I'm going to heaven because I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And we have to say to that, so does the devil. The devil believes about God, just like, but he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe in Christ. Believing in Christ is not just believing he did this and that. It's then trusting your life into his hands. And again, we don't do that perfectly. There are days I doubt him more than I trust him. But he's the one who's given me this, this faith by which we're saved. So, yeah, that's a... Okay, so what does it mean when exactly to know Jesus? Uh-huh, yeah. I, to, to me, I mean, do I hear from heaven? Does he talk to me? Ever? No, he doesn't. But the way he talks to me is when I read the Bible. So he does talk to me. And I talk to him. I pray. And Jackie, I can't imagine someone really knowing God who never talks to him. I mean, the way I know you is you talk to me, I talk to you. I think one way you know that you know Christ, do you talk to him? Do you pray to him? Do you trust him? I think that's a key is prayer. Pastor Brock, I hear people say, though, well, there's God the Father and there's God the Son. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then there's God the Holy Spirit. Right. So how do you distinguish? Who do we talk to? <laughs> the norm in the Bible is you talk to God the <coughs> Father, and then you close your prayer in Jesus' name. That's the norm. But there's also, in the New Testament, prayers that are made directly to Christ. In fact, I think the last words of the Bible in Revelation are, Come, Lord Jesus. So it's, it's fine to pray to God the Son, Jesus. It's fine to pray to God the Holy Spirit. The norm is you pray to God the Father, and then you say, In Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name means, God, answer this, not because I deserve it, but because of Jesus, because of his righteousness. Please answer this prayer. Okay, we've talked there's a heaven and there's a hell, right? Mm -hmm. Some churches teach that hell is not eternal, though. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and um, Seventh-day Adventists and liberal Christians teach that, uh, well, liberal, liberal Christians teach everybody goes to heaven, there's not a hell. But Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a cult, and Seventh-day Adventists teach what's called annihilationism. If you don't believe in Christ when you die, you're just wiped out. The reason that doesn't work is because verses in the Bible talk about eternal punishment. Uh, Luke 15, the, the rich man that goes to hell, he's not wiped out. He's in hell begging to get out. So there are too many verses that talk about hell being eternal punishment uh, that you can't hold to annihilationism. And a person can't get out of hell, can they? That's the horror. When you're in heaven, you're in the heaven for eternity, hallelujah. In hell, you never get out. Okay, Pastor Brock, what does the Bible mean when it says we're redeemed by the blood? Good. Um, uh, let me uh, give you uh, an example. We're redeemed means a price has been paid to set us free. And redeemed comes from the Roman slave 
terminology. Paul was a Roman, and, and some now and then a man would come and pay the price for a slave and set him free, make him a free man. And, and that's what redemption is. Jesus pays our price to set us free. And we're redeemed by his blood. That simply means his death, his sacrificial death. If I can give you an illustration, though, Jackie. This happened years ago, and it happened last week. I'm at a garage sale, and <laughs> here's a piece of pottery. I think I made this piece of pottery about 30 years ago because of the style I remember. And they had a dollar on it. <laughs> And I went up to the lady at the garage sale and I said, you know, I made that probably, you know, I made this about 30 years ago and I, I was going to give her the dollar and buy it back, but she just gave it to me. But you know what I did? Had I paid that dollar, a dollar, had I paid that dollar, I would have redeemed my bowl. Because here's what it means. Uh, to redeem a person is to pay a price to get them back. We used to belong to God. We got lost in sin. Jesus comes, pays the price to get us back to God. And he did it through his blood, through his death, his paying for our sins. So that's what redemption through the blood means. <laughs> okay, but Pastor Brock, people fall back in that. Do they have to be redeemed again then? After they sin? I think when you come to Christ, you don't lose it and get it, lose it and get it, lose it and get it. Once you're saved, he comes into your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and you don't have to pray. You know, some people pray, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. They do it 30 times. You need to do that once. He, never, he says, I, never, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But you do need to repent in prayer, but you don't need to ask him in all these times because he never leaves you. Okay, he never leaves us, but we, we still sin even after we say we know him and we know we've right. done wrong. We do, and that's why uh, we need to confess our sins regularly to the Lord. Can you give us an example of how God uses unbelievers mm -hmm. to do his work? Yeah, in, in, in Matthew 7, these people say, Lord, we cast out demons, we did miracles in your name, and, and they end up being damned nevertheless. And, you know, Jackie... I can think of, of Muslim extremists that are killing people. Now, we don't want to say that's the work of God, but I think in, in the Old Testament when the Jews would go after idols, God would bring in the Assyrians to punish them. I think America is, is turning its back on God, and now we're having the Muslims be a problem, so we have to go fight wars. When you turn your back on God, God can raise up unbelievers to do his work of turning us around. I hope, I hope it works. I don't see America turning, but yeah. You know. But Muslims never believed in God in the first place. Do they you? don't believe in the Christian God. That's true. Okay. But a, a God can use Satan worshipers to do his will. I mean, God can use, I mean, if, if an unbelief, if a, an atheist gives money to help the poor, that he's doing God's work, whether he knows it or not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know. What exactly will happen on Judgment Day? Yep. The four basics that all Christians agree on. I mean, we could talk about when the rapture happens, then we'll have a large argument. But the four things that all Christians agree on, Jesus comes down in the clouds, he raises the dead, he judges the living and the dead, and then the earth melts with fire, it says, and we go to heaven or hell for eternity. Those are the four basics of the faith. Okay, when you say the dead in Christ shall rise first, mm -hmm. Who are the dead in Christ? Yeah, Paul, Paul is writing uh, to, I think that's the Philippian passage, and he, he's telling people, these Philippians are afraid that what are going to happen to our dead now? And he says, when Christ comes down, the dead are raised first, 
and then we are changed in the twinkling of an eye. So Jackie, the way it works is when he comes down, all the dead are raised. They're not going to be left behind. The dead are all raised. And then if you're alive when Christ comes, you don't die. You're changed in the twinkling of an eye to your new body. So that's what that's about. But That's First Thessalonians, what, 4, 16. Yeah, but isn't it true, though, that you go immediately to heaven? I, I think your spirit does. Like I'll, the way I put, Jackie talks about. But the body, body itself doesn't. Yeah, I, I'll talk about Grandma Lowski, Christian lady. When she died, I think her spirit went right to heaven. But like us, she's waiting for the last day to get her perfect new resurrection body. I don't think the Christians in heaven yet have their perfect new bodies. And because the Bible does teach, you'll immediately go to be with the Lord, and you'll be raised imperishable on the last day. It teaches both. So that's the way I, I, I would put that together. I think that's a hard concept, though, for people because. You know, you it's not black or white, mm -hmm. there, and you're yeah. putting a gray area. Yeah. and there are Christ, so there important. are Christians that are that are Christian people that believe in soul sleep. In fact, Luther believed in soul sleep that when you die, you go to sleep, and then you're not raised till judgment day. But you think it's immediate because you've been gone. You know, but most Christians don't see soul sleep, and I, I don't either because it, Paul says to depart and be with Christ is far better. Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So, Okay, this last question I have for you is about two verses that I'd like you to explain how mm -hmm. they fit together. Mm -hmm. One is Matthew 7.21. Okay, that's the verse we just studied, okay, mm -hmm. which says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father. Okay, then in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, mm -hmm. It says, it just says, we are saved by grace alone, and we are saved by, for by God, here's the exact quote, I shouldn't, uh, for by God's grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not because of your works, lest any man should boast. So again, bas basically, you have to do God's will to be saved, but we're not saved by our doing God's will, we're saved by grace. The answer is, we are saved by grace, but grace changes your life. You won't ever earn your salvation, but uh, it, it shows whether you were saved by grace. <laughs> How do you know if it's will or faith, I guess? What, what do you mean now? Well, I mean, like, when people say the will of God. You do the will of God, yeah. Yeah. The will of God, isn't that what we have when we have faith in God? Y yes. And, you know, the will of God, <coughs> Jesus said, you know, you have to do the will of God to be saved. Part of the will of God, hallelujah, is when you sin, you repent. So the forgiveness of sins is a big part of the will of God. We want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.